0: I am Chris Chouse and this is Straight Chubb, the fantasy football podcast brought to you by the fantasy headliners. Welcome back to the show. Back with me once
1: again is my man, Mr. Chris Kennedy. What's up, dude? What is up? Well, you know what's up? Not the uh, not the record of our New England Patriot and uh, Buffalo Bills.
0: Why so. would you bring it up to start the show like this, man? We, you, you know why?
1: Me- because I don't want to end the show on a bad note. So I'm just going to start off with the bad juju. And then we're going to go up from here. This is me like just like setting the, the the tone and the base of everything. Because we can only go up from here, brother.
0: Fair. fair. I mean, but still that shit is still like, you know, it's, it's right on the surface of hurt, man. And uh, God, what I watched was just god awful. Uh, The Buffalo Bills, what were you doing on Sunday? I mean, at least you guys were
1: competitive. Yeah, at least least we almost won. You guys just were out of it from the beginning.
0: (laughs) No, we were leading. Get the (laughs) hell out of here. We're we're done with this (laughs) crap already, man. But week one, baby. Week one football. It was good. Good to be back
1: with NFL action. That Monday Nighter was something else, too, hey? Oh, my God. So, all right. So, full, full discrepancy and transparency to our viewers and listeners out there. Um, I'm what you would call an old man. And I like to go to bed early. (laughs) And because of this, um, Chaus, Jake and Kyle are all night owls. Okay. They're just up until all hours of the evening. And so I will wake up in the morning to like 30 missed DMS from our, our DM group. Of them talking about a certain player or stat or game, whatever was going on. So I woke up this morning because I didn't actually watch the end of the game. I fell asleep what? like after the third, I fell asleep after the third quarter Wow! and had to. And this morning, as I was actually at work at the golf course, I caught up on the rest of the game.
0: Wow. You disappoint me, man. It was, you know what it was? It was like the poop game. It was so good.
1: Like everything that that happened, was a hell of a game, by the way, it was, man. Yes, that, it was. that
0: But this game was unbelievable, man. We had overtime, you had turnovers and overtime. Zay Jones caught the winner. Like, holy smokes. It was it was a great way to end week one. No kidding. Uh, unbelievable contest.
1: It was a great game. Um, as you and I were talking about in the first half of that game, Max Crosby has got to be one of the most underrated defensive players in the NFL. He was absolutely wreaking havoc against the Baltimore Ravens all game long. And it was, it was incredible to see. I mean, Lamar was pretty much Lamar made some great plays. Don't get me Mm, wrong, especially with his, with his arm and with his legs, but he, that man was running for his life all night long.
0: Yeah, man. And I was even saying that Yannick Ngakwe, I mean, before he went out with his injury, he changed mm. the whole, and Nassib too, man. Those guys were on lights. Oh, Nassib on was a beast. A beast last night. And I mean, they had no answers on that offensive line in, in Baltimore. I mean, uh, poor Lamar, man. He was running for his life. When, you know, when we, we criticize Lamar how many times and say, hey, man, you got to, you know, stick in the pocket and find your receivers. He had no time to find his wide receivers last night because, I mean, it was just a bum rush of, of uh, activity in his backfield. It was just unreal, man. And you're right, man. Max Crosby, he is one of these dudes. He is so underrated. And I think he is like, he finally is ascending to that one point where you can start to call him in that class of elite pass rushers in this league. I mean, everybody needs a little support. And now you got Ngakwe and, and Nasib on this line to help him. I think here, now you can't double team him anymore. And now he's he's showing out.
1: No, I, I completely agree with you. So it was, it was like, a, you know, it was a fun game to watch. You know, when I finally did, catch up and watch the, the fourth quarter. I mean, the overtime was was phenomenal. You had turnovers. You had drama. You had a a you must have loved this. A former Bill's Zay Jones sighting to end the game.
0: Good for Zay, man. Good for Zay.
1: You know, <laughs> at least he's
0: off the synthetic weed and not running around butt naked, jumping off of balconies anymore. So, hey.
1: Hey, you know what? Speak, speaking of weed, Josh Gordon just recently got hey, reinstated. So boy, he's back in the league. And uh, which is why I'm going to go out and spend every last dime of fab money on. No, if any of you go out there and spend any money on of your fab on Josh Gordon, I'm going to find you. I'm going to poke you in the eye. So where, where does he play?
0: I mean, OK, he's
1: reinstated. Is anybody right?
0: Is anybody really going to take
1: a flyer on him at this point? Really? I mean, at this point, maybe Baltimore with all of their banged up receivers. Sure, but I mean, honestly, at what point? at how effective is he going to be? And for how long is the question? Like, at what point is he just going to get suspended again by the league?
0: Dare I say he, he might fit in with the Buffalo bills.
1: <laughs> I'm going to pretend you didn't say like,
0: that. like I do every week with a free agent. I mean, this is, this is the, you know what? First. Why don't you
1: just go? Nope. I need you to go out make a case for Des Bryant, Terrell Owens. You know what? See if Randy Moss wants to come out of it fantastic man.
0: Yeah. I'm, I'm going to go on my computer. I'm going to write out a full, <laughs> a full memo and, and we're going to get it done. But, oh, man, we got to start off with injuries. There was a slew of them for the fantasy community. I mean, there is a lot of players going down already. Offensive linemen dropping like flies. I mean, it was just a... I mean, it was almost like a a war and there was just bodies lying around. We'll start off with uh, the main one, Raheem Mostert. He is out now for the season. It was breaking news. He was eight weeks uh, yesterday, I believe. And then today he he tweeted out saying that he was done for the rest of the year with this knee injury because uh, he has to get it surgically repaired and took doctor's advice to shut it down, man. So, I mean, this is a he hurt me this week cause I played him, but I mean, now we're talking about sermon. We're talking about uh hasty and, and we're talking about that other character. His name vades me.
1: Eli Mitchell. Thank you. Elijah Mitchell. Thank you. Which everyone is going to be trying to use a number one waiver pick on them. They're trying to overspend fab. I, so this is my whole take on this is when's the last time that we've been able to trust a 49ers running back to be a, you know a true workhorse all right the last two years last year we had um Raheem Mostert and Jeff Wilson Jeff Wilson got 12 touches per game Mostert got about 14 or 15 okay 2019 there were three running backs who all averaged 10 touches per game mm-hmm. so who who are we going to trust here are we going to spend all of our you know fab money to try to pick up Elijah Mitchell is Trey Sermon obviously now is going to probably be active for the games going forward with the injury to most and sermon someone that we are both really high on coming into this season mm-hmm. especially with the with the release of wayne gallman so like i mean for, for me personally i'm not spending a ton of you know my free agency money i'm not spending a high waiver pick on someone who's probably just going to be you know part of a committee
0: absolutely and i mean with with mitchell it is one of these situations that can he handle a full-blown workload? Likely not. He is this speed guy. He is very uh, shifty and quick, and he's going to make big plays. He's going to be everything they wanted Mosser to be, in my opinion. I Ooh. think that's as long as his health can stay up. Because, I mean, Mosser healthy. He is, he is legit lights out fast. I mean, he can break free and make plays all over the field. I think that's kind of the same role that they're going to put for Elijah Mitchell. Um, but when it comes to Trey Sermon, it's a little bit uh, I'm so skittish on this one, because really, what didn't you see in camp? And and the only thing that when I went back and I, I did a lot of tape search on this one, because when we reviewed him on the scattering report, we were we were very high right. on him. But it was it was determined based on landing spot. And when he fell to San Francisco, we were like cheering because we were like, this is the best landing spot for the man. But, I mean, when I went back to all the camp film, I went back to all the reporting. I think it's his blocking, man. I think this is why, because when it says that he isn't ready to be the guy in his backfield, I think it's his pass pro that uh, disappointed uh, Kyle Shanahan because it's not Trey Lance. It's it's Jimmy Garoppolo, and we know he's got knees that are replaced already a thousand times. If you can't protect mm-hmm. him, then you're not going to see the field.
1: Yeah, and that's kind of something that we've seen with a lot of these young you know, running backs, especially the rookies. That's the biggest area that they need to improve upon. And another guy I know, I know we're going to be talking about just a little bit with Baltimore Ravens running back with Tyson Williams. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's another situation where the pass blocking has been an issue. And that's when they're not going to be starting to see the field a lot. That's when their snap percentages just really are going to start to drop. And that's when you're going to have a guy like Latavius Murray come on in and really making sure that, you know, kind of taking over those snaps. And again, in San Francisco, you know, if Trey Sermon's not able to do that, like is Jamichael Hasty going to be that guy that's going to be in on the pass blocking situations? Are they going to use Kyle Euless more in those situations? So, yeah, yeah. For for me, I think the San Francisco backfield is a little bit of a mess, and it's going to be one guy's going to hit one week, another guy's going to hit another week.
0: Absolutely, and then when Jeff Wilson comes back, is he's going to be what mid October likely if not sooner? Yep. So, yep. You're just going to add another body to this room. So do not go waste all your fab money for maybe three weeks of decent productivity, in my opinion. But I don't know. What do you think in 15 bucks?
1: Uh, so I've been recommending to people, you know, over in our discord, um, I've been saying they've been like, how much money should we spend on them? And I'm saying no more than 30 percent of your fab money. Ooh, I think that's a, it, that's a lot for and- me. And it's a lot. And I, and I even told a few of the guys, it's like, you know what? You're probably going to get outbid because someone out there is going to just blow their entire load. Load, Figuratively. And, and, and literally on that one player, because they think they're going to overreact to week one performances, just like everybody else does. And they're going to think that this man is going to take them to the promised land.
0: Yeah. They're going to need the Windex to wash off that mirror after they blow their load. But Hey, we're not talking about dirty things, but Hey, here we go. Jeffrey Okuda, man, I'll run through these guys. He is out for the season, torn Achilles. Poor guy, man. He was getting roasted by his defensive coordinator on the sideline, and then he rips his, uh, his Achilles. He's done for the year. Jason Verrett, he is done. Torn ACL. This one hurts, man, because I'm a huge Verrett guy. Always have been. The guy is legit one of the better defensive backs in this entire league. No kidding. Everyone, I don't care if you guys think I'm wrong. He is legit one of the better cover corners in this league. The man just could not stay healthy, and again, he finds himself in the medical room with an ACL. Look at San Francisco, man. They're starting to look like Baltimore with ACL injuries.
1: Uh, San Francisco starting to look like the San Francisco team of last year with all these injuries. Yes, they are. <laughs> it's like it's like 2020 came into 2021. Now, correct me if I'm wrong, but Verrett was formerly of the Chargers. Yes, he at was at one
0: point. Yeah, drafted and he by was the Chargers. a
1: stud. When healthy, he was a stud for them.
0: Yeah, then they let him go because of health, and here it is again. I mean, he's been he's been only signing these one-year deals. I don't know if he signed an extension with San Francisco, but a uh, torn ACL again. This just hurts, man. LaMarcus Joyner, the Jets, he gets a torn uh, tendon as well. He is out for the season. That's a big loss for the Jets. They're dropping like flies in New York. Makai Becton, another New York jet. He is out four to six mm. weeks. He averted disaster though, because everyone thought that one was going to be an ACL. It only is an MCL sprain. So he's out four to six. And I mean, this is a big one for Zach Wilson and his offense that didn't that Zach Wilson was under duress from that Carolina Panthers uh, defensive line.
1: Absolutely. And the Panthers, def- the Panthers defense in general is one of the more underrated units in football, especially that's that secondary with Dante mm-hmm. Jackson and Jeremy chin. Ooh. I mean, it's, yeah, the fact that they gave the Jets fits is no surprise.
0: Don't forget about our boy JC Horn in there, too, man. He's this defense is building in the right direction. I need
1: I need to see more from JC Horn before I start putting him in the same yeah,
0: yeah, it, yay. Show Yay, okay. show some early love for these guys, just you know, show it, give them a hug. I
1: love me some JC. Oh, hey. I, I, he was, he was my. Oh, he's my cornerback one, cornerback two in this class. But I yeah. just need to see him. I need. I need you know, one. One week isn't gonna. You know.
0: I under. I understand. Hey, I get it, man. He was my. He was my DB two. I mean, Patrick Sertain was the guy, man. He's gonna keep doing it. Ryan Fitzpatrick, Fitzmagic. Magic. He is oh. out for six to eight weeks, man. He's got a hip, and it's. Magic is not going to be Fitz this year, man. Uh, It is going to be a Tyler Heineken, Henneke. I mean, so what do we expect from this Washington football team? Now that Fitz magic is gone because we were all hyped for this and they just pull the the wool under our eyes already.
1: All right. So Fitz magic has kind of turned now to Fitz tragic, right? With this injury going on. I love it. And Unfortunately, I can't take credit for that nickname. Uh, My friend, Susan, shout out to Susan. She's the one who coined that nickname for him like a few years ago. Well done,
0: Susan. Well done.
1: With that said, a lot of people are wondering like, okay, with this Fitzmagic, you know, injury, you know, you have uh, Taylor Hinnicky coming in. All right. He did. He played what? One game last year. All right. Um, I will say this with, with the Washington quarterback situation. A lot of people have been wondering, okay, well, what does that do to Terry McLaurin and his value? I don't think it changes all that much. And I say that because all of last year, he played with subpar quarterback play all season long. It didn't matter if it was Alex Smith or Dwayne Haskins or Kyle Allen. he still finished as a top 20 fantasy wide receiver. So yes, his wide receiver one upside that top 10 top 12. Yeah, it's going to be out the window until Fitzpatrick comes back. But in the meantime, he's still a high-end wide receiver too because he's going to be getting the targets and they're going to be having to throw their way back into football games because they're not going to be able to put up as many points as they would have with Fitzpatrick under center.
0: Here's the thing. I found something extremely interesting today to back that point. Even though I believe that he is quarterback proof, he has proven that over his entire career, Terry McLaurin has. Listen to this, man. On Thursday, Terry McLaurin... His it'll be his 32nd NFL contest, and he'll have his 10th starting quarterback, 10th in 32 games. On average, Terry has to uh has had to gear and catch passes from different starting quarterbacks every three games of his career. If you look at it that way, how messed up is that? So, here's the thing we will we have never seen the full blown. You know, Terry McLaurin, wide receiver one numbers that we all know he can put up and that we all know that he's going to put up eventually. But look what he's had mm-hmm. to go through, this poor bastard, man. Ten quarterbacks in 32 games. And, I mean, I, I'm I'm okay with this Heineke, Heneke, whatever, however you pronounce his name. But, I mean, he still is going to be low end, wide receiver one, in my opinion, as long as he's getting open. You see that catch he made this weekend? I mean, that shit was like... I don't even know man there's no word to describe that that is magical stuff.
1: All right so at what point does Washington call up your bills and say listen we'll throw you a second round and a fifth round for Mitchell Trubisky.
0: Deal. Send it now. You know? I'm done. Like yeah, we're good. I, I mean
1: obviously first rounds out of the question but for Trubisky, for Michy Biscuits, <laughs> I I'd, I'd get I'd I'd absolutely give them a second and a fifth. Do you know where I'm spending that draft capital if I'm Washington? Go call up the Vegas Raiders. Go get Marcus Mariota. Already just
0: do it. Just get it done today because he you gives you the, all the if
1: the if the Raiders wanted to trade him, they would have done it last this past offseason.
0: You know, Raiders, just do it, man. What are you saving this guy for? He already injured himself too this, I believe, as well. So
1: you know, I want to speak on the Raiders real quick. I thought it was hilarious in the post-game uh interview or or uh report with with Derek Carr mm-hmm. and he said, he said, I'm a raider for life. And imagine if like John Gruden, like I'm sure John Gruden heard that. and Imagine John Gruden's probably like, uh I mean, pump the brakes. Next year for life, man, we, 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 for, life <laughs> for life's a long
0: time. Yeah. We had <laughs> we had plans to trade you next year, Carr. What are you talking about? <laughs> Oh man. Moving right along. Jerry, Judy, he, man, he avoided disaster. I thought that was, he really did. I thought that was a Dak Prescott broken leg. Dude, that ankle did not look good. No, it did not. The entire leg like bent and he was writhing in pain and I thought it was done, but I mean, he, he avoids, I mean, thank God he's young and flexible, man, because I don't know that bone kind of was made of rubber, but he's out six to eight weeks on a high ankle sprain. What does this do for Denver now? I mean, it's, it's Tim Patrick. I mean, KJ Hamler, everyone's uh, okay. And, and, you know, I'm going to eat crow here because I've been talking a bunch of smack on, on KJ saying that he's going to be only this gadget type of player. But I mean, so far he didn't really show anything outside of what my prediction of him was even this first week when Judy went out, I still think it's the Sutton and Patrick show because they're, they're big time guys. KJ's going to be your
1: deep threat, AKA Tavon Austin. I'm, I'm right there with you because when Sutton was out last year with his ACL injury, It was Tim Patrick that filled that role. I mean, the guy had over 50 catches for almost 800 yards. He caught six touchdowns. So, I mean, for me, because Judy and what he can do in the slot, I think this really helps Noah Fant. I think this is going Mm. to really, really boost the target share for Noah Fant, who, you know, subsequently was one of the top targeted uh, receivers in all of football this past week. So I think it's only going to continue. I think it's going to be Sutton. It's going to be, you know, Tim Patrick, and it's going to be Noah Fant.
0: I like it. And I think, that you know, they will sprinkle in some KJ. I'm not, they need that deep threat to open up the run game, but it's not going to be what other people are thinking about, thinking that KJ is going to be the guy in, excuse me, in this offense. Now it just won't happen.
1: No. And also another guy that I think could be involved a little bit more is our boy, Javante Williams, coming out of the backfield being used a little bit more as receiver because I know everyone right now is losing their goddamn mind about Melvin Gordon in mm. his hundred rushing yard, you know, touchdown performance. But we told but everybody this, for, Chris, we told everybody for, for all of you box box score, you know, stat sheet analysts mm-hmm. out there. Mm-hmm. If you take away that 70 plus yard run that he had he would have been just as ineffective as Javante Williams was last week, rushing for about three yards per carry. It was that one rush that really made it special. So you take away that one long run and you got yourself, you know, kind of your old, not so great Melvin Gordon.
0: And I agree. And we told everybody this, give the rookies a chance. Look at what Najee did. So back off and and relax. Rookies take a few
1: games to get their feet wet against the true defense. This ain't preseason. Exactly. And also, speaking of Najee Harris, Najee Harris played all 58. He was on the field for all 58 of the Pittsburgh Steelers offensive snaps. He's the only running back in week one to play every single snap. Daryl Henderson of the Rams was number two. He missed all but three. So Najee Harris is going to be a workhorse. for workhorse excuse me for that team
0: yes he will and no question about it but let's move into some headlines about how some of these players played let's see i mean week one we're starting to, you know it's the identity of these teams we don't know what mm-hmm. they were okay we're always going off of last year to week one that's why betting's so difficult that's why starting fantasy football week one is so difficult because we're taking everything we know from what happened last year now we're starting to understand week one. We got what we saw. Let's start with Zach Wilson. Let's start with these rookie quarterbacks, man. Cause I really, I really liked a lot of it, but there was a lot to dislike as well. Zach Wilson goes 15 of 21, 149, and a touchdown, uh, or two touchdowns, I believe, to to Corey Davis. And and I mean one interception. But I mean, he, like we said, he was under duress the entire season or the entire game. But I mean, he looked okay as the game wore on. I think he looked a lot better yeah. than someone like Trevor Lawrence did.
1: I, I completely agree. And I think that with 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 Zach Wilson, it's it's the coaching. I think the coaching in New York, and I I never thought I would ever say this. I think the Jets coaching right now is better than a lot of the other teams in the league, specifically comparing it to someone like you know, Trevor Lawrence in Jacksonville. With with what we saw from from Zach Wilson, you know, yeah, his his completion percentage was only at fifty four fifty four percent. But it was the touchdown rate. His touchdown rate was 5%, Mm -hmm. which was one of the better rates in the league for week one, you know, and that was going up against a very difficult Panthers defense, you know, a very underrated Panthers defense. So I was really impressed with what I saw from Wilson, especially it being his first game ever in the NFL.
0: And that's the thing, man. Everybody needs to understand is that rookie quarterbacks coming into the league, they're going to get schemes they have never seen before. And and you want to see this maturation process. I was harping on this with Josh Allen for three freaking years, man. And this is what I'm saying about guys like Zach Wilson. I believe he does have it. When you start to see some of these passes as that game was going on, I mean, he's going to the to the right, goes back to the left. It's a no-no throw in the NFL. He still made Ugh. that complete. He rolled out on that touchdown to Corey Davis pinpoint in the corner where only davis could have caught that that stuff is big boy stuff and and you can't teach that that is all instinct and and he is going to continue to grow and get better as long as they're progressing in the right way i just didn't like how they had the entire offense play with the system and scheme i think lafleur let him down with the run game no support in that sense but i get it it was the first game the line wasn't blocking very well so they had to abandon it but overall his game was very sound
1: no I I completely agree with you and the one thing that kind of disappointed me though is even though the run game wasn't working like they definitely did not commit to the to the run game as much as they should have because it was a close game was the fact that they weren't using those running backs in the passing game mm. Coleman zero targets Ty Johnson three tar- one what what one catch on on three targets Michael Carter who I we both thought would be a PPR monster yep. one catch on two targets. Like Unbelievable. they didn't get their guys involved enough. Um, It really was the, the Corey Davis and surprisingly Braxton Barrios, you know, show.
0: Yeah. I don't know what that was about, man. We didn't even see Elijah Moore get really in the mix. He had one for four or something like that. I don't yeah. know. It, very. Okay. It's new, new for the coaching staff as well. So we'll just say it's a pass, but I do like how they're, how they're moving, how they're progressing. Wilson looked good. Mac Money Jones, your let's boy. Let's, let's talk about your boy Mac Money because you know what? He was very impressive, man. Overall, his entire demeanor in this game, he was what 28 for 39, 281, a touchdown, and a 17-16 loss to the fish. How do you lose to the fish, man? Like he was good though. He was really good.
1: All right. So this is how you lose to the fish. Um, way too many penalties and a defensive front that couldn't tackle if like I was the one running the ball against them. All right. That's, that was a, their biggest issue there. There were too many mental mistakes. We, a lot of missed tackles, but I will say this about Mac Jones. There was a stat that I saw. Um, he completed 74% of his passes. He's the first ever rookie quarterback to complete 70% or more of his passes when having like thirty or more passing attempts or completions. Mm -hmm. And I thought that was a really cool stat to point out with Mac Jones. He had his rookie moments. All right. right. In the first quarter, one of the first two drives, the dolphins got a ton of pressure on him. He was spun around. He was, his back was too, the Dolphins end zone. And he tried to throw the ball behind him to Johnny Smith It ended up being a fumble. Thankfully we fell on it and got it back. But that was a rookie moment where I was like, Oh, all right, well, let's just learn from that mistake. But the one thing with Mac Jones that I loved that we didn't see from, and I I don't want to keep, I don't want to compare him to cam at all, Mm -hmm. but something that we had, we did not see from cam last season was that Mac Jones throws his receivers open. Open, It's the the anticipation from Mac Jones, knowing where his guys are going to be. And he puts the ball where it needs to go. And that was the biggest thing that you and I took away from him watching the college film Mm -hmm. was the accuracy. It was that leadership. It was just the football IQ from this guy. And he's only going to get better. Now, the first I believe the first like 37 plays on offense for the Patriots were all run plays. Mm -hmm. And then they had Mac Jones, you know, throw the ball here and there, (laughs) but that's kind of, I think how they're going to continue this season is they're going to be a run heavy team until Mac Jones gets more comfortable in this offense. And he's able to not just be a game manager, but actually be able to help win football games for this team.
0: And you know what, man, everything that you're saying, because I don't I don't see a lot of fault in a first start for him. I really don't because Agreed. he he played so well and so composed or so much composure I should say yep. um it, it was just it was absolutely a, a breath of fresh air to see outside of having Tom Brady back on your club because he was he was he was dissecting defenses and and the point you made when we scouted his film and he leads his wide receivers how many times did we discuss that in his scouting report on headliner you it was over and over again I said guys like Jalen waddle he's going full man full bore yes. speed and waddle did yeah. not have to slow up for those passes and it's not because his arm strength is is Elite in nature, like Patrick Mahomes or Josh Allen, it's just his timing, his instinct knew when he had to release that ball and when it would be there for Jalen Waddle to go underneath it. He was doing this again to his wide, his wide receivers, whether it be over the middle, the short passes, always in front of him, more often than not. I mean, I do want to see you guys clean up a lot with your tight ends because it, it looked like you were forcing it a little bit. The fumbles, man. I mean, if if Harris and and Ramondre don't fix this fumble issues, you guys are going to be trading for another running back soon.
1: Harris is going to be fine. I'm I'm not worried about Harris. I think he's going to be he's be okay. You know, Ramondre can he needs to just really short. No, I think Ramon is going to be fine. (laughs) Um, And that's one of my guys. I I know that. And that's exactly why I kind of took the little dig there. But I will say this, you know, with with Mac Jones, that was one of the biggest things that you and I talked about last year was his ability to handle the pressure and still complete the pass. You know, in Alabama, his senior senior year in Alabama, he completed 54 to 55 percent of passes while under pressure which was like top three, top four in all of college football. So it's that poise and that composure that really helps translate to the NFL for him.
0: Totally agree. He was he was very good. I liked his game a lot. Trevor Lawrence, on the other hand, he was mm. not so much. I mean, okay, everyone. So here was the thing. Everyone thought, you know, the Houston Texans are going to be dog shit, you know, trash. They're not going to do anything. You know, and I said, you know, I said, they could be a team only because they have so many players that, you know, they got to do something. And they did something. And what did I say, man? Every single time about Tyrod, I am the biggest Tyrod uh, naysayer out there. But the one thing I will say always about Tyrod is he throws one of the prettiest deep balls in the NFL, that is accurate and on point. And everybody that was sleeping on Brandon Cooks, shame on you, because Ooh. he's he's going to have a ma- massive season. But nevertheless, Trevor Trevor Lawrence, he goes twenty-eight of fifty-one. Urban Meyer, what the hell are you thinking? Fifty-one, 51, 51. passes, man. Three three thirty-two, three touchdowns and three interceptions. Lots of garbage time uh, productivity for Lawrence. But I mean, he was making all the wrong decisions, man, going across the body, across the field, double coverage in the zones, not reading them. I mean, I, I sat there and I watched his film for maybe 20 minutes after the game. And I was like, wow, really, really Trevor.
1: Yeah. Which is why it's not a surprise that he barely completed more than like 50% of his passes. Mm -hmm. Like, I mean, granted, yeah, he he threw three touchdowns, but he also had to throw 50 plus times to get those three touchdowns. And against the Texans, like the folks, if you're, I'm sorry, if you're a Texans fan out there, don't get used to this. Okay. Like this is not your Houston Texans. No, this is a rookie quarterback and a rookie NFL head coach that have a lot of work to do.
0: A lot of work to do. And I heard urban Myers very dejected and he might resign. It only took one week, man. And they already got him out of there. But I mean, Those are your rookie quarterbacks, how we saw them. They're okay. But let's talk about a guy that I got to eat my eat crow and eat my words on Chris. And I, and I owe you an apology because you were big and supportive. And I think I kind of convinced you otherwise a little bit, a few, a few too many times. God, I gotta eat this. This sucks, man. But it's Jalen Hurts. Okay, he looked. Freaking, yes, let's go. He looked freaking phenomenal. And I, if Philly fans, all the Eagles, I do sincerely apologize. And it wasn't that I was a hater of Jalen Hurts. It was I wanted to see it more. And I and I, it was it was more my doubt than hate. And, and and I mean, Jalen Hurts, man, he impressed. And I get it. It's Atlanta's defense. 110 percent. It was an easier show. His, his throws were on point, in the breadbasket, on the dimes. I mean, rolling out, finding him over the middle, throwing in the tight windows, rolling out and running. I mean, he was just all over the place, finding Rager, finding Smith. I mean, there was nothing this man couldn't do against this Atlanta Falcons team. And a pluses for you on that
1: performance, Mr. Jalen Hurts. I'm eating crow. And not only that, it was, it was the decision making from him that I absolutely mm. loved, you know, watching that game, you know, while he was under pressure, if the first read wasn't there, he was, you know, checking down, he was making the, the progressions that he needed to, that's something that we didn't really see from him last year. And that's what really, really impressed me in, in the transition from his rookie year to his sophomore year so far, granted it's week one, mm-hmm. but it's the decision making and the, the, the process that has been going on that I absolutely love. And. That's why when I when I put together, you know, right before the season started and I finished my, you know, my draft rankings for how I thought this year was gonna go, I had him as my QB eight for fantasy. And right now, I mean, granted, it's Atlanta. Okay. Mm-hmm. You and I could probably throw for two fifteen in sure. a city against Atlanta. Yep. But things, things are looking pretty good for my boy, Jalen Hurts.
0: They definitely are. I mean, Reger
1: goes six for 49 and one
0: touchdown. Rookie Smith goes six for 71 and one touchdown. I mean, it was just all around. He was spreading the ball around. I mean, Goddard had some in the mix. Ertz was in there. I mean, he was throwing to Sanders and to uh, Gainwell. I mean... It was, you know what it is? I think it was every, and I'm going to, it'll piggyback my next point because finally we're seeing a head coach who understands how to utilize an offense. And this coach is a youngster, man. He is one of these guys, fully inexperienced, comes into Philly, changes the whole system. He is a Frank Reich prodigy as well. So he kind of has that school of body work to understand how to use your running backs. This is what Jalen Hurts needed so badly. He needed the running mm. back to have to check down when he was in trouble. He needed the running backs to, give yardage or get yardage so that he can open up the play action pass. This is what he was missing last season and that's what came with more of my uh displeasure and my criticism, I should say against Jalen Hurts. But when we talk about Miles and Kenny Gainwell, they played great together like I thought they would. Yeah. We talked about this all off season, Chris. I said I wanted to wanted to see about a 60-40. It was 63-37 Gainwell and Miles split. On the weekend one slate, and I love it. I think it's magic.
1: I completely agree. And the way that Jalen Hurts was spreading the ball around—I mean, if that football was was semen, we could start calling this guy Philip Rivers right now with all the he's throwing around.
0: Oh man, you caught me off guard on that one. Whoo, he's got more kids than Philip Rivers. Semen man, I don't even know where to go from there. That, that, that was fantastic. Well done, sir. But, but this is so good, man. If you're talking Kenny Gainwell, he's on my radar. I'm going to get up. You guys are all talking about Elijah yeah, Mitchell. Yep. I'm going to get myself some shares of uh, Kenny Gainwell.
1: I completely agree. Now, granted, he only had nine carries, but it was an efficient nine carries. You know, he got himself the touchdown and it wasn't like he got, you know, his, 30, his 35, 40 yards on a big run. You know, it was all consistent running from him. And, you know, for members that are in our MVP, you know, discord right now, they were asking, they were saying, Hey, and I can say this now, because when this releases waivers will already have gone through, Mm -hmm. but they're saying, you know, Hey, should I spend this money on, you know, maybe Latavius Murray, or should I spend it on Elijah Mitchell? And I was like, you know what? You could spend a fraction of that on Kenny Gainwell and probably get similar production for the rest of the season.
0: I totally agree. And I mean, what was his stat line full PPR is like 12, 13 points or something for Gainwell. 11 to 13 is somewhere around
1: there. Yeah, Cause he had, he had, he had two catches for six yards, but then he had, you know, the 37 rushing yards and a tutty.
0: Exactly. So there you go. 11, around 11, 12 points. And I mean, and that's in week one at a 37% split rate with uh, and, and this is the, even a better part. Boston Scott didn't even see the field. So, you know, the trust is mm. there. And, and this is what I'm saying. Gainwell is on the rise, baby. These Eagles, they're on the rise. I love it all day long. But one running back that, you know, remember what I said, man? I mean, he's going to be in my rest in peace uh, category very soon. And that is Mr. Saquon Barkley. But it was the New York Giants. It was a tough matchup. It was. But you know what? They didn't lie to us. So I'll give them I'll give the pass. They didn't lie this time. They told the truth. They said they're going to nurse Saquon along. And they did. And Saquon didn't do anything. And he, what did he have? 10 carries for 26 yards. God awful, man. And I started him. And But you know what the thing is? I don't regret starting him because if it's Saquon and they say he's playing, I'm starting Saquon uh, within reason week one. It's, it's a must.
1: No, I, I completely agree. Um, I will say this though, this coming week, going against the Washington football team, I'm probably not going to be starting him um, just because I don't love the matchup. And I don't know what the usage is actually going to be. What's the saddest part is is when Danny pennies is your RB one mm. over Saquon Barkley.
0: Oh my Lord. And Danny pennies, man. Can that man just, you know, can they just give up already? Because all he does is turn the ball over. And this, this kills your giants team. The big blue need a quarterback. Go get Mitchy biscuits. He'll be a little bit better too.
1: I would have much rather have Mitchy biscuits than Daniel Jones, because <laughs> what does Daniel Jones do? He turns the ball over week one fumbles it. The, the man has more turnovers since entering the NFL than any other quarterback in that three years span. Ridiculous. Like, and I don't even think it's close. No, it's not close. He, At least not from a fumble standpoint. <laughs>
0: no, from a turnover, Darnold was up there with the uh, fumbles too, and then the interceptions. But I mean, Danny Penny's man. He's giving away yeah, money. No,
1: D- Danny. P- Danny Penny says, "You know what? You know what? Darnold, hold my beer.
0: I hold got my this. hold my beer because I can do it much better than you." Oh, the big blue, man. I thought I had it rough in Buffalo, man. Those New York Giants. At least you guys got Super Bowls, for God's sakes, man. You you can go back and look at your trophy cases
1: and and at least smile. I got nothing over here. Well, the biggest thing with the Giants coming into the season was, you know, they have this, you know, Saquon Barkley's coming back. They go ahead and they sign Kenny Galladay to a big, you know, big, what, what two-year contract. Mm -hmm. But the thing that most people weren't talking about was this defense. This defense was supposed to be this up and coming thing for the Giants and then Teddy Two Gloves comes out and hangs 27 on him. Like and then
0: <laughs> and then Von Miller comes out and says and shakes his hand. You see that interview? He shook his hand and said, Man, I we we haven't seen this type of electricity since number 18 was here. We needed that. And I was like, Oh man, Drew Locke is just sitting right over there, bro. Like
1: And you know it's you know it's it, funny is it is no more than like a month or two ago, Von Miller came out and was like, Yeah, we have Drew Locke, we're fine. Yeah. <laughs> okay, okay, Von.
0: Oh, Vaughn, man. He just just lit him on fire. Locke was looking at him like that poor, helpless kid in the corner, man, that just wanted to play with somebody, and you guys left him to nothing. Oh, the shenanigans, man, the shenanigans. David Montgomery moving on, man. I am so happy right now Mm. with Mr. Montgomery. How many times did we talk about Monty all offseason? I mean, it was probably once every two weeks, if not more. He looks lean. He looks fast. He looks fresh. He looks quick. Oh man, the jukes were there. I mean, he didn't get as much in the past game as I would have wanted and hoped, but I mean, still 16 for one in and a touchdown versus the LA Rams, a crazy defense and defensive front. He was, he was running through it at times
1: like Swiss cheese, man. He was. And even without that big 40 plus yard run that he had, if he, if that was negated and he didn't have that, he still was going to average over four yards a carry. So he was still running the ball really, really well. I completely agree with you. I thought he was going to be more involved in the passing game with the absence of Tariq Cohen, you know, over the next few weeks. But, I mean, that's what happens when Allen Robinson gets, like, 12 targets and you decide to throw the ball to commit like eight times. So, yeah,
0: I don't. And I mean, those passes to, you know, here's the thing. I, I defended Andy Dalton and I'm, I'm off. I'm not going to defend you anymore, uh, Red Rifle, because you piss me off and you piss me. I got some I got some problems with you people. I'm going to do some errand of grievances <laughs> in a second here, man, because the Red Rifle really pissed me off. I what, what did you just say? He had 12 targets, Alan
1: Robinson. He caught like four balls. Yeah, he had. So I'm looking at the numbers now 11 targets six catches for 35, 35 yards. Like
0: what the fuck, man? Okay. This is what I'm talking about. I'm I'm swearing because I'm angry. Like, seriously, what the hell are you doing? Okay. Get him the ball in proper situations. How many times were these passes behind him? How many times they weren't even close? This is Allen Robinson, man. Put it up for the man. He'll come down with the ball 90% of the time. I don't care. And they were moving him around. Jalen Ramsey was actually shadowing him more than I thought, too. So I'll give him a pass on that one as I'm as I'm beating down Andy Dalton. But still, man, get get Justin Fields in. I've, I've
1: already seen enough, and it's week one. I'm I'm right there with you. The fact that Justin Fields was only in for like a couple of you know sequences here and there, not enough. Give the team to Fields. Thank you,
0: sir. I like it. I mean, coach Nagy,
1: man, you he's smoking some
0: drugs on that sideline. Some of those play calls.
1: <sighs> that's a man that's on a short leash right now, or at least has to, should be on a short leash. Yeah.
0: His, his seat. And same with the GM pace. I mean, their seats gotta be freaking on fire. But here we go, man. Let's go to happier times, man. Jonathan Taylor, our boy, man. This is what we expected. This is what we wanted. He goes uh, basically what? He, he led this backfield. 17 uh, of the team's 26 backfield carries. 7 of 15 targets, man, for Jonathan mm. Taylor. In this game, and the funny thing is it's a career high for him. However, Naheem Hines even uh, saw a massive uh, uptick in target share. So here's the the debunking of all of this saying both running backs can't coexist in PPR formats because that's bullshit because they just did it. 45% of target share going to the Colts running backs in week one.
1: Yeah, I mean, the fact that your number one running back was also your number one receiver that game I mean, that's something that we hadn't really seen from Jonathan Taylor last year, but in camp, that's all they were preaching is how Taylor's going to, you know, he's getting more work in as a receiver. He's catching more passes. He's going to get involved a lot more in the receiving game. I mean, he had, he was, he had the most receiving yards tied for the most receptions with Naheem Hines, but he also outcarried Naheem Hines, which he should have anyway. I mean, with Jonathan Taylor, this was a great start. The Seattle Seahawks have a good run defense, you know, for the most part. It's their secondary. That's a little bit iffy, mm-hmm. but their front four, front seven isn't very bad. So I'm only expecting JT to really just improve off of this performance.
0: Yeah. And it, this is an interesting aspect now that TY is no longer there and that Pascal kind of took over because we mm. didn't see anything really from Campbell one catch, I believe. And then even, to. um, um, Pittman, man his name always fades me i don't know maybe you know what i gotta stop pushing this guy you know why because
1: he's not on the field enough
0: if i can't if i can't even remember this guy's name i think i gotta yeah. stop you know pushing him as a fantasy commodity because i think that's the rule every time i forget someone's name on this show they are now no longer allowed to be viable in fantasy football in my in my uh, opinions is
1: that fair yeah, they just become
0: Mr. Irrelevant. That's cool. Thank you. I think it's good. But I mean, <laughs> I think this is interesting, though. Frank Reich is actually kind of morphing this offense, kind of Philip Rivers-esque with Carson Wentz. And I mean, he's seen how he can do it in Philly with Carson Wentz. I like it. I think both running backs have a very, like, Naheem is definitely a safe flex option moving forward if this continues. And JT, obviously, your RB1, I mean, it's, it's just freaking glorious.
1: Agreed. And the one thing that impressed me the most with Jonathan Taylor is he was only involved in 55% of the offensive snaps for the Colts as a team. With that being said, out of all the running backs in week one that had at least 50% of the team's snaps, he was like number three in most PPR points per snap at 0.45. Ooh. So he's being that much more efficient with the snaps that he's being you know used on. He's just making the most of his opportunities. I love
0: it, and I think that's his ceiling is the sky, man. What is it to the moon, JT? To the moon. I love it. I think he's gonna have a fabulous season, barring health issues. Miles Gaskin, man. So here was my thing. I was never on board. I don't. I don't remember if you were. I don't think you were really a huge supporter. You were okay with him, but I don't think that you ever really came out and said, you know, you emphatically endorse this man.
1: I was. I was more Miles Gaskin than. Than Malcolm Brown or or Ackman.
0: Yeah, fair enough. And but you never were on, on record suggesting he was gonna do damage.
1: Oh gosh, no, no, no,
0: no. Okay, no. fair enough. Then we're on the same page. He rushes nine times for 23 yards, man. Adding five receptions for 27. So his five receptions, save your fantasy football day in PPR formats. I mean, okay, here we go. So we start talking about this uh, how many times with, uh, like, the New England Patriots, like the San Francisco 49ers. When it comes to these muddled backfields, you don't know how they're going to be used. They used Malcolm Brown at the end of that game to really kill that clock, and that was at least six or seven touches that you could have had to someone like Gaskin or Ekmod and, and you didn't get them. I mean, okay, so moving forward really are we trusting Tua looked good Tua looked great they moved this who looked really good right yeah. I mean the touchdown of to Waddle was a freaking Waddle man <laughs> he did he waddled his way in there like no one was stopping him it was just unbelievable that play but Gaskin how can you trust this backfield right now as we sit today because I personally can't and I'm thankful that I
1: stayed the hell away I I didn't touch anybody in the Miami backfields you know in any of my drafts right now I mean you're looking at the at the box score just as a box score alone, five different players ran the ball for Miami. Mm -hmm. Miles Gaskin had nine carries and nobody else had more than five. So like, that's an issue right there. When you're running the ball 23 times and you have five different people touching the ball. I mean, there's no way you're rostering anyone in fantasy football right now. Not with that production.
0: See, and I'm going from the straight football side too. Just like if we're sitting on the sidelines, me and you are the coaches. Why do you do this to your running backs? And okay, I understand you want tandems. I understand you want to keep them healthy and and alive for the whole season. I get all that. The percentages go down for their health when they carry X amount of times. I understand all the analytics. But when you give your number one guy, supposed number one guy, nine touches, how the hell do you expect him to get into a rhythm in any form in the backfield? And then you, you bring in Ahmed, he has what? Five touches. You bring in Brown, he has six touches this is not okay for your running back system. And this is actually going to be a detriment to you as the season goes on because teams are going to figure it out exactly what you're doing when you have each of these running backs on the field. And Tua is going to suffer for this. You watch, it's going to happen.
1: And how are you going to be able to build any sort of offensive rhythm? If you keep rotating in and out all these backs,
0: yeah, I don't get it. I, I never like that. I get the double, you know, the two-tandem approach because as long as, like, a perfect example is in Philly. Miles Sanders and, and Kenny Gainwell, they do everything very much the same. They're quick, they're fast, they can go through the middle, they can go outside, and they can catch the ball. Now you become multidimensional, right? So, mm-hmm. with this, Malcolm Brown, he is your bruiser, he's short yardage, goal line back, you know exactly what they're doing when he's in the game. Salvan's kind of taking that receiver type of role a little bit. He doesn't really run inside, so you know they're not running in Side and Gaskin kind of is your Swiss Army knife, he kind of does it all. So you you know there are their skill sets, it's gonna be a detriment, and Miami's gonna screw this up. I'm telling you, poor poor Tua, man. I feel for this guy.
1: It sucks because you know, Tua, it looks like he's really turned the corner, he's another year removed from that hip injury. He's look he looked really good. Mm. Now, granted, the Patriots did not have Stefan Gilmore, but Tua really was just picking apart this secondary for the New England Patriots, and I was super impressed with him. I was very high on Tua all through the the, the offseason, into the preseason. You know, he kept moving up my draft boards and he's really starting to to look like the guy we thought he was going to be before that hip injury, because if it weren't for that injury, he would have been the number one drafted quarterback over Joe Burrow.
0: Agreed. And I mean, he was he he looked great and, I, and I, we were of the same opinion. I He was flying on my draft board as well. I think yep. I even have him in the Scott Fish Bowl. I I'm team two of this year, man. Hopefully he continues. And the Miami dolphins run game doesn't F this up because you know, speaking of F'd up things, man, Brandon, Ayuk. what the hell did this man do? Because he didn't see a damn catch. I don't even know what his snap count was. If he, like he spent more time on the bench than he did on the field. Um, But here we go. We talk about, you know, uh, what coach speak is. And, And Shanahan said he tailed off dramatically, and I quote, during training camp, and he's still learning how to be a pro. We benched mm. him for Trent Sherfield because he looked yep. better and Ayuk did not get a catch. And, and this to me is baffling because how do you tell me a guy who last year was the talk of the town in San Francisco after uh, more than a handful of games? The, the uh, optimism and the, the progression was moving on the uptick. And now all of a sudden week one after a, a training camp in preseason, he has to learn how to be a pro.
1: Yeah, so Brandon Ayuk uh, played on 26 of the team's 55 offensive snaps for 47% of a snap percentage, okay? Um, to give you a, a, an idea of like how few snaps he actually played, here's some wide receivers that were involved in more snaps than Brandon Ayuk in the NFL. Uh-oh. Um, not only Trent Shurfield, uh, Chris Conley of the Houston Texans, Demir Bird. Of the Bears, uh <laughs> Anthony Schwartz, who had a, a, a decent game for the for sure. the Browns. Yeah. Okay. Um, oh, raise your hand if you've heard of Trinity Benson.
0: Yes, I have.
1: Okay. uh he had more snaps. <laughs> like pretty for, much former, anyone that plays. He's,
0: he's the former Bronco. He got he got let go, and now he plays for um uh, Chicago.
1: No. No, Detroit. Detroit.
0: Detroit, thank you, Detroit.
1: Yes. Oh, Chester Rogers also had more snaps. Okay, like that's just an idea. And your guy Jalen Guyton as well played like twice. Guyton had like twice the number of snaps that Brandon Ayuk did. So for for Ayuk to have this few number of snaps, like he has a long way to go from having such a phenomenal year last year. Like it's almost as if he's starting from the bottom, like bottom of the totem pole, and has to work his way all the way back up.
0: Started from the bottom, now we're here, man. Because I mean, this is not good. People gave up a lot of draft capital for Brandon Ayuk, and, and here's the thing: now, are you buying him? Are you Are you going to go out and buy him right now on the cheap? Yes, because you can absolutely. sell it. You can sell it to other managers and say, "Man, he ain't going to play. Take what you can get."
1: Absolutely. I mean, especially for fantasy owners who are probably super pissed off right now because they took him in the fifth or sixth round of their drafts, most mm-hmm. likely as their wide receiver two, wide yes. receiver three, if you're lucky, but probably your wide receiver two. Mm-hmm. Like if if I don't have him, I'm absolutely buying low on this guy because you know fantasy owners are going to be pissed off about it
0: and you know that this is you know this almost feels like he's got naked pictures of Kyle Shanahan's wife or something that it was a punishment thing there's no way I believe this I can't I think this is horseshit all of a sudden he needs to learn how to be a pro I'm, I'm kind of reading between the lines I think he did something stupid and I think it's a disciplinary thing that's what I think So this last, is.
1: La- last year when he had a phenomenal year he didn't have to learn how to be a pro because exactly the first that we're hearing so about th- it
0: this is disciplinary it has to be he did something wrong that pissed Kyle Shanahan Hand off and he punished him. And and not one catch, not one target, man. So that tells me everything. I think week two, Brandon Ayuk has to come back and he's gonna start showing out maybe week three. If I'm wrong, I'm wrong. But I mean, this this the way it's the way he said this in his quote is very telling to me to suggest that this was disciplinary.
1: Him saying that he needs to learn how to be a pro, that sounds like coach speak for. He needs to mature and make better decisions.
0: That's, that's where I'm going, man. The discipline. So he did something. What A.K.A. Do you do? not
1: take naked pictures of my oh, wife. Of the wife.
0: See, don't take pictures of, of guys' wives, guys. Like, come on. Smarten up, Brandon IU, because we want to see you on the field. Sterling Shepard, New York Giants. This was intriguing. Danny Penny's found him on the regular, man. Nine of, or seven of nine targets, 113 and a touchdown against the Broncos. Man, did anybody play? shepherd this week because if you did kudos because nope. i was like no way in hell am i starting anybody really and kenny Gallity was even like do i play this man you couldn't even do that but if you played sterling shepherd because you had nobody else I, i'm not congratulating you for nothing because that doesn't mean any skill but if you said you're looking at the matchup and you said hey i got julio jones or i got sterling shepherd you played shepherd i'm gonna, I'm gonna give you a present man that would, that's a good call
1: I mean, I, I completely agree. I mean, I don't think anyone played shepherd shepherd thinking, you know what? He's got a phenomenal matchup. You played shepherd probably because you didn't have any better options, right?
0: That's what I'm going at. That's what exactly what I'm saying. Ron Dale Moore, man. We, man, we love this guy mm. from the scouting, the, the booth and, and we've yes. chopped up his film for hours and Now we see him on the field and everything we were saying. I remember I was going back saying stuff like they need to manufacture ways to get this man the ball. Four or five targets, 68 yards. He looks so good. This Arizona Cardinals team looks so good on week one. And Rondale Moore, he puts A.J. Green in our thoughts of A.J. Green being something to sleep because even Christian Kirk has himself a day. So I guess the writing's on the wall for Mr. A.J. Green to be nothing this
1: season. I mean, he, he AJ Green did get six targets, he did, you know, yep. just he only hauled in a couple of passes. And I don't know if this is something like a, a you know, signs to come or something for Christian Kirk, because if Christian Kirk does have a good year, then I'll be the first one to say I was wrong because I was so high on him for a couple of years. And then I was completely out on him this year. So if he bounces back and he has a really good year, then I'll I'll eat that crow. But Rondell Moore was somebody who, I was trying to jam into as many DFS lineups as I possibly mm. could as a phenomenal value play. Cause he was priced at almost the, almost the the bare minimum at like $3,000 for receiver. And he's someone who showed out, you know, he got yourself, you know, in a full PPR format, 10 points, which is great, you know, and it showed the trust that Kyler Murray has in Rondell Moore. There was that play where, Kyler was it was almost like he was playing a Madden game he was mm. scrambling yeah. he went forward then he took a few steps back yeah. and just chucked it up in the air Rondell Moore did a great job of adjusting to the ball you know while it was in the air came back from the sideline into the middle of the field you know toward, toward to the hash mark mm-hmm. and caught the 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 reception it was a great play to see
0: it was phenomenal what he was able to do and for me it was like you know Rondell Moore had the what, how do I put this? I mean, everybody didn't understand what his role was gonna be, and because he had Kirk, he had Isabella. Now you brought AJ Green. You're like, yeah, this guy's gonna be, you know, productive, yeah. but he's not gonna see the targets bull duty because he is going to see that target share because he is that electric. You got, look at Hopkins, man. They don't even know who to cover right now. Hopkins was running free. What he scored two touchdowns and he was just gashing. This is how this offense is going to move. They don't even care if they run the ball, man. How, How much did Kyler run this week? Not even that much as he normally does, man.
1: No, that's true. And that's usually why you roster somebody like Kyler Murray because of that rushing upside that he gives you that dual threat capability. Yes, he did get himself a rushing touchdown, but the majority of his damage was through the air. Mm,
0: And I think this is how it's going to be. I mean, goal line schematics to get him in the end zone is going to happen. But I mean, and he looked damn good, man. I was, you know, when we started talking Cliff Kingsbury and Kyler Murray, we were like, you know, we want to see this natural progression, organic chemistry go. And man, does he look freaking good.
1: Oh, absolutely. He looks, I mean, he looks good. The offense is starting to click the defense with the addition of JJ Watt and how much that's freeing up Chandler Jones with those five five sacks sacks and what, and and what two force fumbles. Like, Oh my Lord. I mean, Chandler Jones, I, I will say this and I don't mean to harp on the new England Patriots, but Bill Mm. Belichick (laughs) is known for kind of having an idea of when to let go of players and kind of when to let them move on, you know, there been a couple of guys where he was like a year off here and there. So Chandler Jones has got to be the biggest mistake he's ever made. And I'm not talking about Tom Brady here. Tom Brady, you know, is doing his thing. Chandler Jones, letting him go at that early of an age has got to be haunting him.
0: Has to be. I mean, because he is just a game wrecker. And and now how many times we talked about this because uh, we'll we'll go off with this tangent because I love it. I think the Arizona Cardinals, we spoke how many times we were terrified of what their secondary was going to be outside of Buda Baker. You know, what are they going to do? How are they going to cover teams? And then we had this conversation. This front seven is so good and so dynamic. Chandler Jones, JJ Watt, Zayven Collins, Isaiah Simmons you have and there's others on that line you have others I mean you have all these guys that now can pressure the quarterback there's going to be no double teams hence why Chandler Jones was running free all over that field did you see that tackle JJ made on Henry on the goal Oh yeah Like, man, that was a swim move on an inside guard. And he still found a way to just trip Henry's knee up. And and he does like the somersault. Unbelievable what is going on in Arizona on this defense. And it's going to be more to come because when you have a front seven that can rush the passer the way they do, it cleans up all the inadequacy and issues you have on the defensive secondary. And that's going to make them more opportunistic. So as long as Mm -hmm. they can intercept the ball, they're going to be fine.
1: Um, can I can I just throw in like a quick fun fact stat for you?
0: Fun fact away.
1: Um Derek Derrick Henry had more more targets than Brandon Ayuk. Because <laughs> Henry had four. So and hen and Henry averages like one target a game. So one, one
0: target yeah. a season, man. So yeah. I mean, Ayuk, see stop taking nudie pictures, man. You know, Henry's out, out, out getting you in targets. Stop taking pictures of other guys' wives. You when Derrick
1: Henry is getting more targets than, a, than, a, than a, a team's supposed wide receiver one, wide receiver yeah. two,
0: yeah. there's a problem. There's a big problem. Yeah. We already touched on Brandon Cooks, but I mean, quickly, five of seven, 132 against the Jaguars. And I'm telling you guys, man, if, if anything... Brandon Cooks is the most disrespected wide receiver in the NFL because he just gets traded around to every team. No fantasy owner wants him. They always look for a better option. And now even with Tyrod Taylor, this man is putting up numbers and this is going to be a consistent even in garbage time because Tyrod oh, yeah. can get Tyrod can get that deep ball, man. So I'm telling you right now, if you can get Cook, Cooks at at low rates, I I wouldn't hate rostering him on my bench at least for matchup appeal and flex play.
1: Oh, absolutely. I mean, and the reason why people are so off of Brandon Cooks, and I've doubted the man in the past as well because of the concussions, because of the injury history. And it's not because he's like missed a bunch of games or he missed the majority of a season. It's because he'll get injured and he'll leave a game. You know, he won't play a full game. He still gets credit for that game, but he won't actually finish the game. And that's what's kind of concerning to me. So, but when he has these big games, you know, especially a team like Houston, who's going to be playing from behind the majority of the time, he's going to get a ton of garbage time production.
0: He is going to be MVP in that category. But I mean, well, we already discussed those Houston Texans. We don't need to waste more time. The Atlanta Falcons, Calvin Ridley and Kyle Pitts. I want to touch on these guys quickly, you know, cause Ridley started the game off very fast, man. And I was like, Holy shit. He's going to get like 200 yards in this game. Cause it was just, it was like rapid fire. Matt yeah, Ryan, to he went, Ridley. he went three of 39 in the first series. Exactly. And I'm like, Oh, this yeah. is, this game is going to be ridiculous. He finishes five of eight for 51 and I'm like, what the hell happened, man? Like you guys, were, the Falcons were playing like trash the rest of the game. They couldn't move the ball f- to save their life. Mike Davis included and in that. Hey, you know, full disclosure, I was not on the Davis train and this is why. But I mean, this is a concern, man.
1: Yeah, I mean, it it, it definitely is. And I think for, you know, for, for a lot of it, it's going to be the Falcons. Like I think that with, you know, with Kyle Pitts, you know, he was getting a ton of targets. He, both he and Ridley, you know, had the the team share for target share. They both had 27% of the targets Mm -hmm. and, you know, with Matt Ryan, this defense is going to be so inconsistent, kind of what we saw last year, you know? And I I think it's the fact that they don't have a legit wide receiver two. you know, Kyle Pitts is kind of that wide receiver two for Atlanta right now. I do think they need to get Mike Davis involved a little bit more. You know, it's going to be tough when they're losing. So he, they do need to use him more as a receiver but there could be these games where, yeah, this offense just kind of doesn't show up, but it's, it's and I mean, Russell, Russell
0: gauge, man, Russell gauge zero for two. Well, yeah. Like, right. W- what do you, two targets, man, two, to a secondary piece. So this tells me that you were forcing the issue to, to Ridley and Pitts. the defense adjusted
1: and you guys couldn't mm-hmm. do anything. Well, e- exactly. Because, you know, we all saw the, the absolute phenomenal showing of, of Darren Waller last night, you know, mm. And, or sorry, you know, Monday Night Football. And when you're looking at the target share, you know, for for these teams, Kyle Pitts had 27% of the team's targets, you know, tied for first. And you look at other tight ends like Adam Troutman for New Orleans. You have Noah Fant for Denver. They were at 24 and 23% target share for their teams. And they led their teams in target share. So I think I completely agree. Where I do think that Atlanta was trying to force the issue. You know, you took Kyle Pitts so high in the draft, where you probably had other needs, and it's like you just felt forced to make sure that you were, you know, getting him the ball as much as possible.
0: Yeah, fair enough. And I mean, same kind of deal goes for a guy like David Njoku. Is he back from the dead? I I I, I know we're running over the clock as always because we could talk football for a year straight. But I mean. In Njoku, man, he goes th- uh, three of five for 76. The Browns looked very good. Baker looked probably outside of that very last throw where he threw the game away. Baker mm-hmm. looked probably the best I've seen him throughout his entire career with the throws he was making. Without OBJ, with OBJ, are we right. be- Are we believing that David Njoku has at least six targets a week in this offense?
1: I think so. I think I think Injoku is definitely good for that. You know, four or five target a week kind of a target, especially without OBJ in the offense. I mean, a healthy Injoku is a dangerous Injoku because the man is absolutely athletic.
0: A, da- a dangerous Injoku. I think that's a T-shirt, man. We're gonna have to. We're gonna have to make a T-shirt after that. Well, huh? you know
1: how you know how Baker had that that quote. You know, last yeah. year, two years ago. You know, I I woke up feeling dangerous. Dangerous. Yeah. Which was, Fucking tool thing to say, by the way. Don't nobody else ever say that, please. <laughs> I will say that, yeah. A healthy Injoku is a dangerous Injoku. No relation to that douchey Mayfield quote,
0: though. We'll we'll just move right along. I mean, here we go. I'm just going to cover these quickly. The Bills, they lost in terrible fashion. I'm sad, and I know you know what. There's going to be uh, some of the Discord members like upside, uh, you know, suck it upside. But I mean. He gives me the gears because my bills sucked and they did everything wrong. I mean, they started out when it was 10, nothing, then they just went to bed. But this was everything I said, Chris, I said, I wanted my running back one. They didn't get it. I wanted more depth of the defensive back core. they didn't get it. Even though the DBs did play very well, the defense, mm-hmm. the defense was gassed by the end of it because the bills again, four or five wide, and they're trying to throw their way uh, touchdowns. And, and look, man, you're so predictable. This is my fear moving forward. If they do not adjust, this is going to be a long season for Bill's Mafia.
1: It is, but you know what? This is a very improved Pittsburgh Steeler team that they faced. So I, I just, I think that it was more of a test of anything else. In the first week of the, of the season, you guys get Miami this upcoming week. So I think that, you know, this is going to be a get right situation for your team. Like mm-hmm. it will be for my team going up against the jets.
0: I think so too. I think, I think playing Miami, no disrespect. I think we still have it over you guys. So they better do it. Green Bay, man, they get killed like legit murdered Uh. by the LASIK surgery. And I mean, what do we even say about this, man? When you saw LaFleur go up on the podium, he's like, yeah, we just got our asses handed to us. But I'm like, dude, that is even beyond
1: asses handed to you. That's like, they put you 12 feet underground. Yeah, you didn't just get your asses handed to you. You got beat so bad that you had to bench the reigning league MVP for a second-year player that you took in the first round two years ago. That's how bad you got beat.
0: Yeah, man, and nothing was working. Adams wasn't working. Aaron Jones wasn't working. Nothing was working.
1: How about those Cleveland Browns, though? Again, they look good. They look good against Kansas City. the, The first half of that game... I was like, holy shit, the Browns are an AFC, like not just contender, but like they can beat the Chiefs. They could beat the Bills. Mm -hmm. And then Patrick Mahomes got going in the second half and all those thoughts kind of went out the window. But with that being said, if the Browns can put together a full 60 minutes of football they scare the crap out of me in the AFC because that is a defense that can absolutely get after it. JOK is going to be a problem in this oh, league.
0: He is a problem, no doubt, man. This defense looked very good. You know what it is? It's learning how to win. And, and this is where they're at right now. They're still trying to figure it out against the teams. You got to close it out. You got to run the clock. And all those people that said, hey, I'm fading Nick Chubb because of PPR. How you feeling today? How, how are you, you feeling today? Oh, fuck yourself is right. Because how you feeling, man? You can't, you can't fade Nick Chubb. Are you out of your minds? God, just listen to what we're telling y'all. And, and 80% of the time you're going to be successful.
1: I know. Imagine fading Nick Chubb and not taking him in like the late, the end of the first round. And then he goes out, you know, rushes for 83 yards, two gets two touchdowns. Yeah. Oh, and he catches a couple of passes as yeah. well. You know what? He only caught one fewer pass than Kareem Hunt did
0: check that out, man. So there you like PPR. them apples, how you like apples, how you like them apples, man. Let's finish this off, man. Fantasy games, man. You know what? I'll go first because I'm kind of putting you to the wolves right now. Your best value start and your worst mistake play this weekend, Chris, let's have a little fun with this because I had two. I mean, my worst was I benched uh, David Montgomery in one of my leagues for the mustard upside against the Detroit lions. And I was like, yeah, that two points compared to his uh 17-18 doesn't feel very
1: good on a Tuesday still. Okay, so I have um well I I have a lot of mistakes in one league that I'm in, um, where I had three or four bench players outscore my starters. Nice. Um, so I I I didn't start DeAndre Swift, and that was because I heard the report, you know, that Jamal Williams was gonna get the start and he was gonna get the the you know the workload there. All right. Mm-hmm. Um that was the biggest mistake probably that I, I made as far as not making that start because he originally was in my starting lineup. And instead I decided to go with, uh, with, with Devin Singletary.
0: Oh my
1: goodness. Yeah. know
0: the bills aren't uh, running. What are you
1: doing? man? Yeah. Well, that was, uh, th- that, that was my bad, yeah. my bad. My bad. Um, I will say my best value play though. And I don't know how much of a value play that it was, but I'm still going to call it a value play, you know, based off of, my personal expectations for him this sure. season. Yep. And that was starting Corey Davis as Ooh. my wide receiver two. well, done, in a league. Sir. Well done. Yeah. Now, to be fair, it wasn't because I'm like this, you know, fantasy football genius. It's because I had no other options at the moment. So <laughs> it was man, kind when of you, by default, when you make
0: a good, when you make a good value play, don't, don't disclaim that man. But it, that it, the
1: <laughs> it worked out pretty, pretty darn well. I will say the, the one, um, play that I did dip do that. I will pat myself on the back for, I started Jalen hurts over Aaron Rodgers in one of mm. my redraft leagues. Well done so. in
0: that one as well. My, my best value of the week came from Gronk, man. I, I was like, you know what? there's a lot of mouths to feed and a lot of people yeah. on the, on the afterthought, they're going to say, you know, was Gronk really a bench? No. I mean, you got to play Gronk at this point, but I mean, for value play, when you got other tight ends that you could fit in there, I mean, no offense style. I mean, I think that was a good value play. So if you don't agree, I don't really care because I'm happy with that play.
1: And I did, I was off on Gronk, you know, going to this season. I thought OJ Howard might be a little bit more of a factor. Granted, it were one week in, mm-hmm. but I was, I was dead wrong on Gronk for week one.
0: Well, same with Antonio Brown. So here's the situation. We'll Ooh. sidestep that really quickly before we close this out. But I mean, Antonio Brown was probably the the biggest slept on wide receiver this entire off season, and it's yeah. because you didn't know how this was going to pan out. But in how it looks in Week One, it it almost feels like to me. I have no rhyme or reason outside of just general watching football and feel it's going to be Antonio Brown being the constant and it's going to be between uh, Godwin and Evans week to week based on scheme, just because of how that chemistry is with Tom Brady. They are like on the same bloody sentence, not even the same page.
1: Yeah. And I, I hate to say it, but I wouldn't be surprised if Mike Evans is that odd man out,
0: right? It could very well be because he's the other opposite outside wide receiver outside of what maybe seeing four targets and some red zone and man, Antonio looked good.
1: He did, which, um, which you know, makes me makes me think what could have been when Brady and A.B. And were together in New England for that one magical week.
0: Makes me wonder what A.B. would have looked like in Bill's gear when, you know, they had him for like yeah, two he, minutes. He probably,
1: would looked, he probably would have looked like shit. <laughs> he would, what? You're a, you're a son of a bitch.
0: <laughs> but anyway, man, this has been long enough talking. I need something to drink. So anyway, before we get out of here, Jake has an important message. So listen up. Yeah, real quick, though, before we get out of here, I want to take a quick second here, Chris, and I want to make sure I shout out our our partners here for the year at Fantrax.com. Fantrax is the most customizable fantasy platform in the industry, hands down, right now, offering the greatest fantasy experience for you, uh, for your dynasty keeper, redraft, best ball leagues, whatever it is you play, they have you covered. And we want to make sure we get you guys in a position to really come in and play with us this year. We're going to have some best ball challenges with some cash prizes coming up here in the coming weeks. But you can set up your account now, and it's 100% free. So head over to fantrackscom headliners, sign up for that free account, and then stay tuned to our Twitters, to our YouTubes. The, the community tabs on YouTube, all over the place. We're going to be posting links for these upcoming best ball challenges. Totally looking forward to that, but make sure you head over there and sign up for that account right now. fantrackscom slash headliners. So on that note, that is the show. Thanks so much for tuning in. You can find me on Twitter at Chris underscore FH1. You can find Chris on Twitter at Chris Kennedy, 318 All listeners. Thank you for all the support on behalf of Chris. Thanks again for listening. Until next time, stay safe and be kind to each other. I'm out.